I'm Xander Wilson, and welcome to another episode of the Silver Bullet Podcast. This podcast is about lessons learned in running a business, with a strong focus on startup founders and CEOs. It's all about finding out what gaps these disruptors have identified in the market, what they're doing differently to their competitors, and of course, to find out their silver bullet for business success. On this episode of The Silver Bullet, I'm chatting with Rob Jordan. Rob is the CEO of ASX-listed company Rare Foods Australia. We chat about why it's important to look past the most obvious constraints when looking to improve a business, and how accountability became his and Rare Foods Australia's business mantra. Rob Jordan, thanks so much for joining me on The Silver Bullet podcast today. Many thanks for having me, Xander. Uh, so, Rob, to start with, you've been CEO at Rare Foods Australia for coming up on two years now. Um, how did you first get involved with the business? How did you meet Brad Adams and how did it sort of get up off the ground for you? Yeah, um, it's uh, it's actually been about 18 months, Xander. It feels like uh, a, a bit more than two years. But um, I first got introduced, I, I worked in business improvement uh, for 30 odd years, largely um, in the mining industry. And the chairman of the company introduced me to uh, uh, Brad uh, back in 2018 and asked me to have a look at the the, the business then. That was uh, pre-COVID, of course. Um, fascinating. I uh, um, I cut my teeth in primary production back in the late 80s and uh, to see what uh, they'd innovated in terms of uh, a replica wild product um, and uh, ticking all those boxes that I think mankind wants, you know, were sustainable, um, you, you know, uh, uh, environmentally friendly and, and uh, scalable um, was was something to behold. So I first met uh, the business back in 2018. I was fascinated by it then. And um, when uh, uh, COVID hit and uh, uh, things uh, uh, went a bit uh, pear-shaped uh, worldwide, uh, I got an offer to come back and have a look at it uh, from an organisational point of view and uh, then got offered the uh, top job in uh, March 2021. And yeah, you dive there a little bit into your own experience and background, but 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 what about your own career and experience sort of made you feel like you wanted to go to the level of of running a company like RFA? And and, and what were the other parts of the business that particularly drew you to it um, as something that you were, you were interested in and wanted to do that was a little bit different to what you've been doing previously, as you mentioned there? Look, I'd been in business improvement for, for 30 odd years and um almost uh, upside down in terms of started at systems, worked to structure, worked to strategy. Probably was in business improvement longer than was expected for some personal reasons, but uh, ultimately I did want to get into uh, an owner's team. Um, always thought that was uh, uh, possibly going to be in mining. Um, when I did uh, actually plan out my exit uh, from uh, uh, professional services. Uh, my first day was the first day of lockdown of COVID. So a number of the conversations I, I was in uh, uh, disappeared. Um, the uh, um, uh, one with RFA uh, then surfaced some eight or nine months uh, uh, later. And, um, you, you know, it, it had fascinated me uh, back in 2018. I, I saw the strategy structure systems issues um they were pretty clear to me on uh, on how to go about them and uh, yeah I, I put up my hand to uh, to have a bash at it from a business point of view also in a space that uh, has always uh, fascinated me you know replicating anything that 
uh, is while sustainable, as I said, environmentally friendly and scalable, um, they, they ticked a lot of things that uh, I was trying to do back in the late 80s. Yeah, and you sort of dived a little bit into RFA, what it's doing and and that sort of thing there. Can you just give us, you know, a bit of the elevator pitch, um, you know, what is RFA, uh, what is it doing and, and you know, how, how, is it, how is it changing the game in that space? Yeah, Rare Foods Australia, um, uh, as it was renamed, uh, uh, replicated uh, the wild green lip abalone. Um, they achieved, well, we achieved uh, MSC certification in June of this year, which basically says that uh, the difference between our wild green lip abalone and the wild's green lip abalone is nothing. Um, except for size distribution, we recognise the same all, 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 uh, all around the world. Um, to put that into context, around about 180,000 tonnes of abalone is produced uh, a year. Less than 1% of that is green lip. Less than half of that comes out of the ocean. Greenlip is, uh, to use a wine uh, uh, term, is the grange of the range. It is the best of the best. And uh, today, uh, um, the innovation that underpins Rare Foods Australia now represents 20% of the wild caught, and we're, in, we're increasing year on year. Our comparative advantage is we can increase, wild quotas are getting culled. Um, so, yeah, that's the uh, 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 underpinning innovation. We changed our name uh, last year to Rare Foods Australia to diversify and grow. Um, anybody who's in agri-products will tell you that uh, being in one is prone to uh, all, all sorts of uh, problems at a certain point in time that are, are literally somewhat out of your control, uh, especially when we're replicating uh, a wild uh, a product. Uh, so we changed our name to diversify and grow, and we're very focused on rare products and rare product supply chains in our premium southwest region. I think that's uh, um, a real comparative advantage uh, of the business. I think the southwest region has been selling uh, produce to the world for years and never really getting true value for what it actually stands for, which is uh, rare premium products. And um, we want to take that uh, uh, to the marketplace um, and extract true value uh, for those uh, rare product supply chains. So yeah, that's the elevator pitch. Um, we're pretty excited uh, in the space we're in. The DNA that we have underpins, uh, um, you, you know, innovation in these uh, rare product supply chains, and uh, we take that lens to everything that we're looking at. Yeah, and and how how steep or or not steep has the learning curve for you been personally coming into, you know, the rare foods and and I guess seafood and agriculture industry? Do, have you found that you know you can look at most businesses using your business improvement background and and you know really break it down into the numbers, or, or was there still quite a lot of learning for for yourself coming into a different industry? Yeah, no. A uh, uh, fascinating question. That my 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 real passion in business has been people, um, and um, you, you know, studying the way people behave at work and why they do what they do. Uh, really, when I look at a business, I, I unpack it from uh, three points of view. You, you know, strategically, do they know where they're headed? Structure, do people, um, you know, who's you know who is accountable for what it is that they've got to do to to deliver that strategy and. Do we have the systems, the way we plan, organise and control? Do we have that in place to ensure that we're efficient in the effective choices that we make? So, you know, that's pretty agnostic business-wise. Um, all the experience uh, that we need in the industry that we're in is resident within the business. Um, 
Mine is uh, more coordinating all of those aspects to come together uh, to align behind a particular direction and deliver. So um, although the uh, journey and um, the uh, uh, learnings uh, around abalone and the rare food uh, uh, rare foods uh, available in the southwest has been uh, enlightening. Um, really, uh, that uh, knowledge already resided in the business. Harnessing it uh, is is my real uh, real role. And um, you know the people uh, that we've put in the business. Uh, uh, some of them are very new. The people that we've put in business to to take accountability for the likes of sales and marketing really starting to, to hit their straps now. And um, we're seeing that as we really push accountability down to the lower levels in the organisation to, to start to, uh, really uh, excelling in the way that uh, we systematise the uh, operational side of our business. So, yeah, I suppose uh, uh, come back to your, your first question, I'm pretty business agnostic, or, although I'm quite passionate in, in the space that I've ended up. Yeah, and and you touch on something that that I was going to get to a bit later, but I might just bring it up up now. You talk about you know a passion for people and and that that being part of the the reason why you've got to where you are. Obviously, any CEO or founder running a company um, has the responsibility there of, of you know establishing and maintaining a company culture. How do you tackle like a problem like this, particularly at a time when talent shortages are a big issue for a lot of businesses in in most industries at the moment? Yeah, I don't want to go out on a limb and say self-made, but that's the way I feel about most of them, especially with 7 billion people on the planet. Um, you, you know, in terms of uh, um, me, first and foremost, strategy, do we know where we're headed? Um, yeah, I, I spent a lot of time researching good strategy. Um, I lent on uh, a, a pretty good piece of writing that uh, basically said, understand what you're good at first. So understand the strengths of the business. They've got to be real. So um, and from those strengths, you, you know, what are the two or three things that you can do next to uh, to grow and improve? And um, uh, to me, that was we had the DNA behind replicating a wild uh, product. Uh, we lived in the rare, um, uh, uh, we lived in the premium southwest where rare products and rare product supply chains, you, you know, I've, I've known for a long time were there. So take those two and start understanding where you can go for, uh, where you can uh, leverage and uh, uh, that underpin the, the change of name. Uh, that alignment probably took uh, endless conversations and at least 12 months. Next was working on the structure and being very clear on who was accountable for what. Um, accountability and accountability hierarchy is kind of uh, business improvement 101 for me. Um, and finding who could uh, actually deliver on what was required behind the, the functions that we developed in terms of the corporate development, that's our, our business growth, our sales and marketing, that's how we take our rare products and rare product supply chains to the uh, marketplaces and work out how to sell um, uh, effectively uh, our operations and our commercial services. So we built the accountabilities around those. And uh, we've been on a journey to find uh, uh, the right people with the, the right capability to, to fulfill those. That journey, I, I don't think, ever ends. Um, we, uh, like everybody, have promoted some beyond their level of capability and, and adjusting and fine-tuning that, I, I think, is a never-ending never journey. But uh, getting the apex of uh, the organisation aligned and that accountability clear uh, has probably uh, put us in good stead to uh, tackle the challenges ahead of us right now. But uh, in terms of culture accountability. We're pushing it as far down in the organisation as we possibly can. Um, 
it's taken 18 months, but around the, the supervisory ranks, we're having very good conversations now about uh, what they're accountable for and what that accountability really means. And uh, the further we can push accountability down into the organisation, uh, the better. Um, my philosophy around culture was an article I read in the 90s. If you're not growing, you're going. And uh, I pretty much think that's true in life as in business. But, uh, you, you know, take accountability, grow and learn from your mistakes. And uh, if you're growing within uh, the business that you're in, great. If you don't believe growth is here, you, you know, then, uh, you know, go find somewhere where you can grow. But keep growing um, at, at whatever low level you are uh, with the accountabilities that uh, uh, you've undertaken to deliver. So, you, you know, that underpins, uh, that underpins the culture that we're building. Yeah, that's really interesting there that you sort of mentioned that one of the things that underpins the way that you, you know, run the business and, and run the culture and that sort of thing has to do with with something that you've you've known, you know, for, for, for quite some time. You mentioned that piece that, that that you read quite some time ago and it sort of underpinned what you're still doing. I just wanted you to potentially, you know, looking back at your previous jobs and roles, were there any things from the businesses you worked in that you really wanted to take and make part of Rare Foods Australia? And then the other side of that question is, were there business practices or other things that you were exposed to that you wanted to steer clear from? The one thing that I've known for a long time, especially in human behaviour at work, is truly tell me what a constraint is. What's stopping us doing the things we need to do? And more often than not, they're in people's minds. They're not actually physical constraints. I'll give you one that uh, we've uh, been on for some time, which is uh, our, uh, our stock on hand. We've got two types of products. We've got a hole-in-shell product and we've got a meat product. We shut the meat out. And I'm talking abalone specific here. And uh, for some time, we've been building stocks of both. When we have a forward order book that's largely meat and you ask yourself the question, why are we building hole-in-shell stock when you know our forward orders are all in meat? because that's the way we've always done it. You, you know, it, it's that sort of uh, um, mindset, even in business with 30-odd people, you, you know, you can get into and forget about uh, quite quickly. We've been on a journey to unpack the real constraints um, that uh, inhibit our, uh, our success, uh, literally from the beginning of the supply chain. Uh, we've just got to, uh, to the stock on hand, and it really is... Uh, um, I suppose, liberating uh, a lot of people in the organisation to focus on the things that actually matter and stop worrying about stuff that uh, really you can't control. I suppose a, a, another one, I, I mean, this I, I just use this analogy because people get it quite quickly. Uh, there was a film called uh, Apollo the 13 with, uh, with Tom Hanks and um, for a lot of your views, they'll, they'll know that to the actual concept of brainstorming started with, started largely in Nassau. That's where it was documented. But there's a lovely scene where I think there's carbon, carbon monoxide in the uh, in the uh, uh, um, cockpit, and they they have to get rid of it, otherwise the pilots are dead. Um, so they basically give the geniuses down at NASA everything that they've got in the cockpit, and they say, figure it out. Um, we've actually got a couple of problems like that where, you, you know, our shareholders have funded the certain design of, of our uh, underwater reef. They've, uh, um, we have certain practices to put to, uh, juveniles down there and we've got a certain uh, um, a success rate in, in terms of their survival after a couple of weeks. As I've said to them, 
We've only got the one concrete block. We've only got the one uh, plastic basket. Figure out with those two things how to best uh, allow um, the juvenile to survive in the first two weeks and uh, remove the, uh, the opportunities for predators to get hold of them. You know, that's a very specific problem to solve. Um, you know, when I first got there, we were redesigning the reef. We were redesigning this. We would, you know, and everything uh, um, was how to spend money as opposed to how to solve a problem. So I, I suppose full circle, real constraints. What's the real impediment to doing business here? Get people focused on that. The human mind, when they're collectively focused on solving the right problem, you can move mountains quite quickly. Yeah, and just uh, talking about some of those problems and the problems you're solving, RFA recently posted record revenues. If you had to put that down to to, to a few things, what have you what have you been doing recently that's led to that, and, and what are the key pillars to 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 the to the growth moving forward as well? Look. Um... It became very obvious as I unpacked the functional accountabilities that the biggest missing piece this time last year was uh, somebody who really could think through sales and marketing of uh, uh, rare products, um, not just abalone, but rare products across the globe and uh, how to actually do that effectively. Um, You you know, we're going to produce circa 90 tonne of uh, um, abalone off our own reef if I dealt with the uh, wholesale inquiries of around about 100 kilos to do that, do your maths, I'm doing about 900 orders. That would be a nightmare. Um, so the whole strategy has been the development of master distributors around the world. These are distributors who are taking tonnage in the regions. They book it months in advance. And all our work in sales and marketing is taking those wholesale inquiries and funneling them respectively, uh, respectfully back to the master distributor to generate their, um, excuse the pun, appetite for more demand and uh, um, stimulating them to want to put more into the forward order book. That took quite a strategic mindset to, to figure out and change. There's quite a, a systematic routine in terms of working that. But to put uh, it, it into context again, we have literally almost booked this year's harvest um, and we're into we're, we're into November so we're pretty confident that that's the way to go um, it's all the it's also the way to integrate other rare products successfully into our business um, and we're doing that first and foremost with the uh, uh, with the wild origins um, so there's other species of abalone um, that uh, uh, the the uh, you know, they're good quality. They're the they're next after the greens, the roe-eye. Um, then there's the uh, the farmed green lip. We're offering our marketplace a tiered-based solution and, and getting generating the demand for that, and that uh, is the quickest way to, A, grow our uh, biomass, but also grow our earnings in terms of utilising our, our process and sales and marketing capabilities. So that change, that shift in uh, sales strategy um, has really underpinned uh, uh, those record uh, earnings and also putting demand tension now into uh, into the forward order book allows us to respectfully uh, raise the price. So, you, you know, those two things together um, have uh, have really uh, underpinned the direction and we're broadening uh, the uh, offer quite organically um, in collaboration with uh, uh, fisheries, uh, the, the fishermen who are bringing in their wild origin uh, abalone and utilising our, our strengths in processing and sales and marketing to, to literally be able to 
to fish to a forward order book as to, you know, fish to an ad hoc sale. So those two things really um, led to the, the record the record revenues. Um, we don't see them stopping. We actually see them continuing. Um, and uh, now we're going to align operations behind running this machine. As I said to you early on in the piece with that uh, perceived constraint, we can see a forward order book now for well over 12 months. We can literally harvest and book uh, and build those orders without uh, really uh, worrying about keeping any stock on hand. Yeah, that's definitely really interesting to hear, um, you know, how you've been able to make changes in the business uh, outside of the the really obvious uh, money spending exercises. I, I just wanted to touch on on the fact that RFA won the uh, Western Australian Exports Award for Sustainability as well. How important is it for you guys to be championing sustainability, both, I guess, to to secure future revenues, you know, obviously the business you're in necessitates that, but also when we're at a time when consumers are starting to make choices based on company sustainability and purpose too? Yeah, look, I, I think, again, full circle, what fascinated me about this business was uh, what I was looking at in the eight, in the, the late 80s. How, how do you actually replicate something that's wild and uh, um, not only replicate it, uh, but do it in such a way that uh, it, it ticks all the um, social environmental boxes, but it's also scalable. Um, and uh, we've got some great minds. Uh, the innovator who, uh, who started this, Brad Adams, you, you know, um, a lot of people see somebody who's created something. They they don't stand back and and, and see the uh, the guy who was playing around with the the light bulb and had ten thousand attempts at screwing it up. And um, you, you know, he, he he like all good innovators had had uh, had many dark days. And um, what uh, I love about this business is we underpin it with that mindset, and we're now starting to look at other rare products and rare product supply chains through the same lens. So our lens for, for, for those is pretty much, can they take advantage of something that we have? You, you know, so what we have, we've got uh, our ocean leases. We've got the only two ocean leases. You can put aquaculture product on the ocean floor. We've got a state-of-the-art processing facility, and we've got uh, a uh, dedicated sales and marketing function that knows how to strategically sell rare products. So those are our three strengths. Then we look at it in terms of a lens, you know. Is it a rare product from the premium Southwest? Um, can uh, can we uh, integrate it uh, uh, seamlessly into the business? And, of course, does it add value? So, you, you know, we, we, we shape that uh, framework to, to the same DNA that uh, started the business. You, you know, is, uh, is, it, uh, um, is it sustainable? Does it tick the social environmental boxes? And can we scale it? Um, and you'd be surprised around the Southwest. There's a number of them that are. Um, and uh, I can tell you now, Xander, we're looking at every one of them um, because uh, we really think that our opportunity is taking and getting good value for those rare products uh, throughout the world. Yeah. And just one thing that we haven't touched on yet, which is, I guess, the challenges of running a listed business, um, RFA being 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 an ASX listed business. What are, what have you found the biggest challenges um, from your end have been there? Has it been around compliance with the ASX, raising capital, investor presentations? What what has it been for you, and 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 how how have you tackled those challenges? Oh, look, uh, the biggest challenge was how much there is to actually contend with, um, and. Uh, 
you know, just had to break it down piece by piece. Uh, the old analogy had to eat an elephant. And, um, you, you know, there were certain things that were the poor cousins to start with. I, I started off uh, around strategy and operations and, and uh, um, uh, my biggest uh, success story in the first uh, 12 months was really our risk register, ensuring that uh, we understood when we went to work uh, the uh, uh, the risks in which we were uh, um, going to be challenged with and that we had plans in place. So building that risk register from the ground up in the first 12 months has probably underpinned everything else. There was some poor cousins that uh, took a backseat, like uh, like communications, um, but literally um, whittling them down into who should be accountable, what's the process, who should be uh, consulted and informed, just putting that uh, a framework around uh, each piece of the puzzle. We've got to a point now where we've got after 18 months, we've got a very aligned apex uh, um, and governance structure. We've got a management team that, uh, again, is very aligned, who, who understand their accountabilities. And those accountabilities literally, um, you, you know, uh, to, for better or worse, uh, um, uh, are juggling all, all the elements of an ASX-listed company. I stand back from an ASX-listed company and, uh, you, you know, there's there's been a, a few infantile comments about us uh, by others, you know, you should go private, you should do this, you should do that. And I scratch my head and I think, well, you know, we've got quite effective as a small business in terms of uh, governance and reporting, which are all good disciplines at the best of times. But you stand back and you have a look at us and you go, well, okay, corporate development, uh, the board and compliance, probably half a million dollars out of uh, uh, our cost base, you, you know, which is, um, you know, a good 20, 25% of our cost base. But uh, um, it's there purely and simply because that's the switch that we can flick to grow. If we find rare products and rare product supply chains that uh, we could buy that are value accretive, that's the piece that we have that nobody else has in the premium Southwest to go and leverage and actually build a brand called Rare Foods uh, Australia. So as much as uh, there's a lot of little tasks uh, and the, the gamut is quite daunting from time to time, we've got quite uh, effective about doing it. We can get better and better at it, and we will. But now uh, the opportunity is that uh, um, that uh, is the one thing that differentiates us as a business to be able to scale and grow quite quickly. The challenge is finding the right opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. And just to my final question, which is the namesake of this podcast, and and I think it's it's something that we've touched on a little bit before when we've spoken about you know uh, all all those aspects of of managing the people within a business. But but what is your silver bullet for business success? Oh, look, I, I, I'd uh, still revert to to type. I mean, I'm pretty disciplined about the whole health and well being, but uh, it comes back to that article I, I alluded to. If you're not growing, you're going, and uh, I, I think that uh, that's the conversation I'm constantly in with uh, um, uh, um, uh, the uh, the team at work. And uh, the other one is uh, um, accountability. Get accountability as far down in the organisation as you possibly can. Those two things together, the conversation around those two things, you know, if, if people don't feel like they're, they're growing within the organisation, you've you got to help them figure out where, where, where they can go and grow and, um, you, you know, that's a, a release for both parties as well. But being accountable for the choices that you make, um, that's a big deal to me. Um, being accountable for uh, your choices at work, 
um, and your choices in life, that's a big deal. So those are the two things that I focus on most. And, um, you know, those are the conversations I'm in most with uh, uh, with the team that uh, work for RFA. Yeah, that's some great advice there for any budding leaders and, and founders. Uh, Rob Jordan, CEO of Rare Foods Australia, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Cheers, Xander. Thanks very much.